25 to 33 Inside the Music. I'm your host, Anthony, and this podcast is dedicated to music trivia, my thoughts on various songs and bands, and other musical insights. To the best of my knowledge and research, I believe that the information I share with you is correct. Some of this material are part of my memories that I've stored up for more than 40 years. I found additional sources of information in books, liner notes, jacket covers, news stories, interviews, and various internet sites, not to mention the band's own website. Here are just a few musical trivia questions for you. Get pen and paper together and see how much you really know about music. Here are the rules. Listen carefully to the questions before answering. There's no cheating, no using Google, and no asking a friend or family member for help. These questions are all in fun and sometimes you learn something. So let's see how much music trivia you actually know. I'll be sure to give you the answers at the end of the show. Let's dive into it. Question number one. What was the name of the first band that Billy played in? How many times has Billy Joel been married? Which very famous model was at the center of Billy Joel's video for the song Uptown Girl? William Martin Joel was born in Bronx, New York. May 1949. Now his parents moved him to Long Island suburb of Hicksville near the town of Oyster Bay. Now how does a young man from Oyster Bay become one of the best or greatest piano players in the world to write some of the most unforgettable songs of our time? Now I don't know which one created Joel but whatever it was it was a gift and it continues to carry on. Joel's last released album was in 2001 with Fantasies and Disillusions. This was his first album consisting of classical music. His previous pop rock album was the 1993's River of Dreams. On River of Dreams is the track called Famous Last Words. Part of the chorus goes like this, and these are the last words I have to say. That's why it took me so long to write. Of course it sounds far more profound when he sings it. I recall Billy saying once that it truly was his last words. He had written about his youth and of the days of getting older. He said that he had said all he had to say and there was nothing left to say. And he left. I hope this is never going to be true. But if this truly is it, just look at the musical legacy he has left behind for us. So many great albums were released during the 1970s. Albums such as My Aim is True by Elvis Costello or Asia by Steely Dan and of course Rumors by Fleetwood Mac all great albums with songs that are still playing today. However, I want to share with you one of my favorite Billy Joel albums, The Stranger. While this may be Joel's fifth studio album, it was the first one I heard in its entirety. I consider The Stranger to be Joel's quintessential album. In this, I know I'm not alone. At the age of 28, Billy Joel crafted one of the most important albums of the 1970s. Stranger spent 17 weeks on Billboard 200 Chart's Top 10 albums. The album peaked at the number 2 position on the chart. The first single from the album, Just The Way You Are, peaked at number 3 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. There were three other singles that made it to the top 40. They were Only The Good Die Young, which reached number 24. Moving Out, Anthony's Song, which peaked at number 17. And She's Always A Woman, also peaking at number 17. The album was produced by legendary producer Phil Ramone. Ramone has worked with some of the most successful artists in the music industry. Stars like Madonna, Barry Manilow, Richard Marks, Paul McCartney, George Michael, Cyndi Lauper, Liza Minnelli, Anne Murray, and Olivia Newton-John. 
and the list goes on. Joel, with his band consisting of multi-instrumentalists, saxophonist, organist Richie Cantata, drummer Liberty DeVito, and bassist Doug Steidemeyer, they produce an entire album full of wonderfully crafted melodies and touching lyrics. Here are nine songs and nine ways to look at the world and yourself, all neatly packaged in one album. Moving Out, Anthony's Song. On side one, the opening track is Moving Out, Anthony's Song. From the very first line, you know he's going to tell us a story. The story parallels my own life at that time. Aside from the obvious name, Anthony, in the title, there is so much more in it for myself. It is a song about a frustrated young man looking to his future and seeing what is expected of him. Faced with a life of mediocrity, he's had enough and he leaves home and all that comes with it. This was the period in my life when I was contemplating moving from my parents' home to the outside world. At the time, it seemed like an easy choice. I was earning money at a large grocery store. The money wasn't good, at least not good enough to live on my own. I worked hard while still attending school. I saved my money for the time when I could afford to live on my own, but I would need a car to take me and my meager belongings. My savings fell short of buying a new car, so I bought a used one for my cousin. And a year later, I was gone. Billy has a way of making you identify with his lyrics. He inserts one of the most popular hooks with just two words. Heart attack, ack, ack, ack. it sounds better when Joel does it. And to think, Billy wanted to do this with a reverb effect. Luckily, he was talked out of it. So what we get is all Billy. And as you can hear, it really was the right choice. At the end of the song can be heard the sound of a car revving up and driving away burning rubber. The effect is ingeniously added to punctuate Anthony's departure. In 2002, the song was used as the title for a musical. The show is centered around a collection of songs from Billy Joel's career. The musical tells the tale of the generation of American youth growing up on Long Island during the 1960s and the Vietnam War. Together with their friends, they share their hopes and dreams. Along the way, life happens as it always does with all its beauty, sadness and love. The Stranger Here are both the album and the song's title. The Stranger. On the opening on this second track, we are greeted with a few slow chords on the piano, then joined by an enchanting whistling. This sets the tone for the rest of the song. Joel becomes introspective as he looks to his id. He tries to reconcile himself with all the personalities he presents to everyone. In the song, he shows that we are not alone in showing different sides to different people. The face we share with our parents is not the same one we show to our lovers. Joel explores all this and more. He seems to say that we should love ourselves and not be afraid to share it with others. The song made a profound impression on me. Now I look to the stranger in myself as Billy whistles us into the sunset. Just the way you are. Now before I delve into this third track, I want to let you in on why I love this song so much. I think it's fair to say that anyone who was around in the fall of 1977 will have remembered hearing one song just about everywhere they went. The song was just the way you are. This song dominated every dance floor and every radio station. It was that popular. Here Billy has crafted a ballad with so much heart and soul. And to think, Billy had mixed feelings about the song. He thought it was too sappy, especially compared to the rest of the material already on the album. He even considered keeping the song off the album altogether. Ramon disagreed. He brought singers Linda Ronstadt and Phoebe Snow into the studio to prove that it was worth inclusion. 
After hearing the recordings, they both agreed that the song had to be part of the album. Apparently, Linda said, That's one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. Billy acquiesced to their opinions, and the song remained on the album. Just the Way You Are holds great sentimental memories for me. That was the same year, in 1977, when I fell in love with a beautiful girl named Brenda. We were at a Friday night dance when a new song came on during a slow dance set. In my mind, I swear that song lasted forever. At high school, every boy hoped for a slow dance to Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. That song was almost 10 minutes long. Now, what boy wouldn't want to hold the girl of his dreams that long? When Just The Way You Are came along, most girls wanted to dance to it. It was that romantic. After a while, the song found its way to becoming one of the staples of every first dance at weddings, second only to We've Only Just Begun by The Carpenters. Bride and groom would take their center as they danced as a newlywed couple, while family and friends looked on with cameras. Getting back to Brenda and I, we made this our song. I was so enamored with the song that I had to buy the album at a time when I could only afford 45s. Like all good things, the romance ended. Michelle broke my heart. Of course, that meant I would sit with my heart in my hand and play the song over at nauseum. I played that track so many times that I literally wore it down, not to mention the several needles I wore it as well on my record player. I found I had to replace it with additional copies. I still have two vinyl copies in my own album collection. After I played the song to death, I ventured out to listen to the rest of the album. What I found was a collection of tunes that spoke to me about real life. Such songs like Moving Out, Anthony's Song, and Only the Good Die Young. Now here were songs that I could relate to. I had lost what I thought was true love, only to find a new love in the collection of songs contained on this album. Of the two, I wound up getting the better half of it. Scenes from an Italian Restaurant is the third track and starts off as many love ballads do, but then Joel changes the feel. In this song, Billy sets an opening scene so well crafted that we can see as if it were a real painting. In the opening line, a bottle of white, a bottle of red, or perhaps a bottle of rosé instead. Now, can't you just see that waiter standing by your table reciting these very words? The red and white checkered tablecloth and the wax-covered bottle with a candle in it. This Italian restaurant could be anywhere in the world, or an old movie, seen as the perfect setting for a romantic evening. But this is not what it appears to be. This is a rendezvous for two former lovers talking about the good old days they shared together. All the memories of friends that have come and gone, as in Brenda and Eddie, reliving those times when life was far less complicated. They trade stories about the lives they now lead. This is reflected in the lyric, Things are okay with me these days. This is just a harmless tale between two old friends. In so many ways, Joel has made it about something more. Where once was romance, now only fond memories we dust off now and again. Vienna. On side two, Billy shows no sign of letting us down. He opens a song with a piano piece that makes me think of walking in some European city. From the lyrics, it seems that Joel is speaking to a younger version of himself, of a young man that takes no time to stop and smell the roses, or any fragrant flower for that matter. Just why do you rush? It's time to go out and see the world before it passes you by. He sums this up in only one line, the very first line of lyrics, with Slow down, you crazy child. To get away, he takes a vacation to picturesque city of Vienna, and Billy takes us along with him. In the music is painted a beautiful picture of the Austrian city. It's 
almost sounds like a travelogue for tourism, a love letter to the city and the country. Now you find yourself imagining sitting at a table at the Green Door Bistro on the Josef Platz, where you just kick back and take it all in, watch the citizens as they pass by. Images of walking on a quiet cobblestone street, beautiful environment, the attractive scenery, all to contribute to giving Vienna the title of Goddess of the Danube. The use of the accordion is a nice touch throughout the song. It continues that running theme of being in a restaurant on foreign soil, being serenaded by a violin or accordion playing as you eat. Now it's all food for thought. In the end, you just get the impression that it's all just a pipe dream, just a passing thought, one that may or may never happen. The truth of the matter was that Joel had spent some time in that city. He was there to visit his father, who had moved to Vienna shortly after divorcing Joel's mother. This trip was several years before he would write the song. The city and the lifestyle made a lasting impression on Joel. He wrote the song to have a Viennese feel to it. With the addition of the accordion, it does bring out that feel, and in my mind, he succeeded in doing just that. In the end, he leaves us with a postcard from Vienna. Only the good die young. Only the Good Die Young was originally written as a reggae song. In fact, the original track was recorded that way. There was some debate with the band, the producer, and Billy Joel as to the musical style. Apparently, the debate was resolved when singer-songwriter Paul Simon heard the song. Paul convinced Billy that the style was all wrong for the lyrics. He should slow it down a bit and add a little swing to it. The final result, of course, was one that we all grew up loving. Imagine what would have happened without divine intervention. The song starts off innocently enough with Billy at the piano, but then the tempo changes. In comes the drums, the piano becomes bouncier and the guitar is added. The song is edgier, punctuated by the end of the word die in the chorus. At the root of the song we hear images both of faith and of sexual overtones. The lyrics portray a young man trying to convince an equally young Catholic woman to give up her virginity. Now when you combine both sex and religion, you're looking at something that can go either way, love or hate in the public opinion. The church could condemn it, saying it encouraged promiscuity, and true to form, the church did in fact condemn it. Lucky for me, the ban never reached me. As soon as the song was condemned by the church, the record climbed the charts of those stations that would play it regardless of the ban. As soon as the song was condemned by the church, the record climbed the charts of those record stations that had chosen to ignore the band. I suppose nothing sells a record like a good boycott. To the young bad boys of the time, they probably equated the song with the quote attributed to James Dean, live fast, die young, leave a good looking corpse. This might have been another reason for increased volume of sales. Whatever the reason, the song reached number 24 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and went two times platinum. She's always a woman. This ballad was written for his then wife, Elizabeth Weber. This is a slightly haunting tune that somehow creates a kind of calmness in the listener. Without backup singers and just the piano behind him, he fills up all the air. He brings out the truth of his passion and respect for the woman he loves. The music that surrounds it compels you to listen closely to the lyrics. At this time, Elizabeth was acting as his manager. The music industry moved at a fast pace and you needed to be a bit of a shark to be successful. Those that weren't fell by the wayside. In the 1970s, the industry was dominated by men. What few female managers that there were tried to earn the respect of their male counterparts, but they were treated as a passing novelty by the old boys club. 
needed a tough skin and determination to play in their sandbox. In this song, Billy praises his wife for giving as good as she got. Other managers and producers found out quickly that they were not dealing with a pushover, a weak, demure woman. She came out with both barrels firing. Now when industry insiders complained to Billy about her being a ball breaker, he would simply say to them, well that's your problem, not mine. With me, she's always a woman. Throughout the song, some felt that she's always a woman was derogatory or demeaning to women. He made it sound as if you could categorize a woman in just one way. They cite such lyrics as, she can kill with a smile, she can steal like a thief, oh, she takes care of herself. They thought this was a negative portrayal of women. Contrary to this, Joel says it's about strong, independent women. Songs suggest the duality we all seem to possess. We can all be strong when needed and softer when needed. Joel lists the complicated character traits of a woman he strongly admires, citing characteristics that are hard to distinguish as either positive or negative. She takes care of herself, she feels like a thief, and she can take you or leave you. I equate this to the lyrics from The Stranger. The line is, some are silk and some are leather. At the end of each verse, despite whatever the listener may think about her, the woman he's singing about is always a woman to him. Little known fact, when the American singer-songwriter Pink married Corey Hart, she walked down the aisle as this very song was played. Get it right the first time. In the 1977 interview, Billy talks about how he doesn't think the piano has to be the most prominent instrument in all his songs. With this song, we find a perfect example. The drum and guitar seem to be up front, while the piano seems to just underscore the whole song. This is one of the most up-tempo songs on the entire album. To me, it feels like the perfect mix between rock and Latin American salsa. You can hear the strong percussions of bongos, drums, and maracas. The original demo has none of this feel. It has a much slower tempo than the one we hear on the album. In the demo, we hear a more stripped-down version. In this, there's a more subtle flute and guitar. In the final recording, there you find the rock edge was so surely lacking. Between Ramon and Joel, and the changes they make in instrumentation and tempo, it makes for a much more rich, smoother sound. At the core, the song is about meeting someone for the very first time and leaving them with that positive image about you. This is obvious from the title. Who among us haven't been in that position? Maybe it's for a job interview, an audition, or a date. We want to give that good impression of ourselves. Joel expresses this with a kind of eagerness and determination. It's about self-confidence and trying not to screw it up and missing out on a good thing. A good example can be found in my own personal life. I was thrown into meeting my future mother-in-law by myself. Now, she didn't speak English and I didn't speak German. From what I remember, there was a lot of laughing and smiling, so I can only assume I made a favorable impression since we've been married over 30 years. In another interview, Billy says he has no idea where the song came from. He admits, and I quote, I don't think we've ever played it live. For now, we will simply have to settle for this recording. Everybody has a dream. On this last track, you would think that Billy might maintain the momentum of the previous song, get it right the first time, but not Joel. From the very first few bars, you can hear that kind of gospel spiritual sound. For a moment, you feel as if you're in church and the service is about to start. With this rather engaging imagery in your mind, you listen closely to what the preacher has to say. It's not a church, and this is no preacher. Billy Joel with less intensity than with any other track on the album. 
Jerry can hear a more subtle, subdued voice. The words cleverly crafted leads you to its conclusion, a powerful message that takes into account that we are all similar in this one thing. Everybody has a dream. Joel says that his dream is a simple one in these few lines. And this is my dream, my own, just to be at home and to be all alone with you. As he sings the refrain at the end, a gospel choir comes in and harmonizes with Joel. The sermon has been sung. At its ending, the album closes with a reprise of the whistling theme from The Stranger. This album won two awards at the Grammys, Record of the Year and Song of the Year, Just the Way You Are. While a friend of mine and myself both think the album is great, we both feel there was more songs that could have also been released as singles. He suggested get it right the first time, while I thought it should be Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. By the way, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant has become a staple in Billy's concert sets. I'm just saying, Michael. If you have never heard this remarkable album, or you have, I strongly suggest that you listen to the entire album for the first time or for the hundredth. And now, as promised, here are the answers for the questions I asked you earlier. Question number one. What was the name of the first band that Billy played in? Answer, The Echoes. How many times has Billy Joel been married? Answer, four. Which very famous model was at the center of Billy Joel's video for the song Uptown Girl? Answer, Christy Brinkley. This brings us to the end or maybe it's the beginning. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and perhaps even learned something. Now don't forget to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends and family. So join me again as I explore more of the music on 45 to 33 Inside the Music. The music for this podcast is provided by the man I like to call the hardest working man in music, David O'Hearn. Thank you, David, for your continued support. So remember, when there is nothing else, there is always music.